Julie, with no, with uh, Stacy and all those girls up in Tenth and Harmon throwing fucking watermelons off the roof. And <laughs> oh my god, I, yeah, that was that was a good. Actually, that particular night, later that evening, do you remember me and Rat Boy? We threw a we threw a pallet that we found on the roof next door off the roof onto the side, and we just missed killing these two people who were walking down the sidewalk by like three inches. Oh, so we you know we. We threw it off the roof. We were like, ah, ha, 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 fuck you. And so we came back in like a half an hour later and like, dudes, man, you just about killed some people. And we're like, what? what? What are you talking about? You know? What's up, Big so, Hey, how you doing? Hey, how you doing? Hey, Jamar. Dan, how are you? I'm good. Welcome to Black Helpline, dude. Yeah. Uh, what's up with Jamar's background? What's going on there? He's just weird. That's what he well, wants to be when he grows up. He wants to do that when he grows up. He wants to smear mayonnaise on his body. <laughs> you know, when I used to work at Schinders, I dealt with lots and lots of porn. And there was there was one magazine that was called Splosh that was devoted to nothing but people covered in food having sex. It was the... People still do that. People still do that. I mean, eh. I'm just saying Jamar's not alone. That's all. Sloshing is the least. I mean, it's really a pretty fucking benign it's, fetish, to tell you the truth. Yeah. Oh, with, believe me, with, I know. Yeah, with food and stuff like that, absolutely. But um, but no, here we are. Welcome to Yay. another episode. Nice to have you here, Dan. Nice to Why, thank you all. I'm Tricky Mickey. I'm Malcontent. I'm Big Germ. And I'm Daniel O'Turnlund. We have our first white man man on the show. White man. Hey, white man. Hey, white guy. (laughs) Hey, did I tell you that, uh, I told Jamar this, that uh, years and years ago, I was voted whitest white guy in town by Hank Swanson and John Smith, who are like the two other whitest white guys in town. So that's quite a I don't know compared to those two. Yeah, I don't know how to. So you've been around here for a while. You've been around for a while, man. You know, let's get to the nitty. You've been around here for a while. Considering yep. that all you white guys look alike. <laughs> yeah, oh shit. <laughs> So <laughs> I couldn't resist. Come on now. A little bit. Well, yeah, I mean, a little. A little. <laughs> actually, is there any, I mean, does that happen on the other side of the fence? Yes. Yeah. Yes, it does. I was actually not kidding very much. <laughs> it, it happened. It happened. I mean, I, I can totally see where it would, you know, especially like, I think of like blonde haired suburban white girls in, you know, in high school. There's, they, there's, there's definitely a type. They're all, they're all, those are all clones. It's like the guys that live in the West Loop, you know, just a bunch of clones. Yeah. You know? And they're bro hives. Bro, yeah, with the, with the matching pastels. Uh, cargo pants. Definitely cargo pants, you know. Well, Man, the cargo pants are when they have a kid. And flip flops, baseball caps, and flip flops. And and um, I feel uh, sorry today. I feel sorry for kids today, man. They don't have anything cool to be into like we did when we were kids. Oh, you know, now we're starting to sound old when we say shit like that. Come on now. <laughs> hey, man, it's true. What what is out there that's that's really grabbed you by the nuts in the last? Five years, let's say. Well, nothing for me since I don't have nuts. 
<laughs> nothing ever, but <laughs> if, something, if something was going to grab you by the nuts, what would it be or have been? The one thing that will always be an enduring force in my life is being able to dance somewhere, anywhere with any kind of music. I can dance to just about anything. So Same. that would basically be it. You know, I don't know what the kids are doing now. I know they're not dancing in fucking groups now, but for me... They're dancing on TikTok. Yeah, they're dancing on TikTok and shit like that. You know, instant gratification world. And that's what I miss about... That's what I miss that's not here. I miss an analog world, honestly. And when you had to actually get up and move and go go places, you know, you couldn't go to them on your computer. You had to get up and leave. Leave the house hooked up with your friends, walk past everybody's house and pick up one person, pick up another person on the street, end up at somebody's house, then everybody bolts out. The analog world, you know? And you had to remember phone numbers. And we had to go to the Lunds Uptown to make phone calls. Hey, you coming uptown? Hey, yep. where are you? Hey, <laughs> hey, are you working tonight? I'm going to come down and see you, but I won't be there until about 9 o'clock. You still going to be there? Hey. Yeah. Right. Everything was planned out. Everything was, yeah. You know, you just had to, like, meet up. And then if somebody didn't show up, you just waited. You had to wait. You had to wait. You know? And they, they magically show up anyway, somehow. It always worked. And the best news is you always knew which one of your friends was going to be late. So you gave them that extra half an hour. You're like, no, you need to be there at 7. And you knew they'd be there at 7.30. So you'd show up at 7.45. That was me. That was me. Always a half hour running. Always a half hour behind. Uh, <laughs> I, didn't have, I didn't have cars. We always took the bike or bus everywhere. A bike and a bus. A bike and a bus. That's it. That's it. I don't know. Would you guys... Okay, so I think somebody else said this to me um, in a conversation we were having. But basically, they said that we invented a bit of a culture. And I think that at least in Minneapolis, we invented... We didn't invent it, but we certainly cultivated a really decent subculture in Minneapolis. Would you agree with that? Me? All of us. Would you agree with it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, haven't you all been all over the country? I mean, the Minneapolis music scene and subculture, I think, is one of the best ones in the country. You know, what? what where is better? You know, maybe San Francisco in the late in the late seventies, or L.A. in the late seventies, or New York in the middle late seventies. But I mean, outside of those places. You know, Chicago. Some of the bands. Yeah, I mean, Minneapolis is, is Minneapolis is seen like that. It's more approachable. Um, it's it's a little bit less congested. It's less um, it, it's 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 less pretentious than say Chicago. So it's more approachable. Back you know back in the day, we had more places to play at and things like that. We don't have as many right now, but there were all these all these underground places, and then there were bands in people's basements and shit like that. You know? Yeah, I miss that shit. I do. I miss I played it. a lot of band in the basement right now. I fuck shit. <laughs> right, Dan. Look at some of my favorite shows. Mm-hmm. I was in a band called Charlie Don't Surf. What? What? I remember Charlie Don't Surf. <laughs> with uh, with uh, our esteemed colleague Randy Hawkins, who uh, has since gone on to be a you know grand poobah of the music scene, local music scene. <laughs> We yeah. had him on his guest once. Yes, we did. Yeah, I, I listened to both of those shows. I mean, it's, it's, it's really interesting to get his perspective because, you know, I don't know if you guys, maybe I think Jamar knows this, but I grew up in a multiracial household. My brother is 
my brother is black and gay, and my youngest sister is African-American. And I also have two Vietnamese foster brothers and two Vietnamese foster sisters. So I think, you know, obviously I still have my prejudices, you know, prejudices and cultural biases. But, you know, I was exposed to a bigger culture than just what was in Fridley, Minnesota from a very young age. And so, you know, to me... I don't understand why in the 21st century, like you're gay. So what, you know, you're black. So fuck, you know, how is that even germane to anything? You know, I've, there are way more important questions than, I mean, to, to me, that's, it's not even trivial to even think of that as a stumbling block or an issue. But then again, you know, being a white guy who's never had to think about those sort of things, it's, you know, I've never had to worry about what's going to happen to me when I'm driving down the street and getting pulled over or walking to the store to buy a nice tea for my brother or, you know, so I have the benefit of not having, you know, besides being a punk rock kid where I was a target for it, you know, I have that sort of understanding of, being outsider but not you know it's something that i could take off if i wanted to it's not something that i you know it's not something that i you know there's no escaping being who you are you know so you can't take off your skin suit? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> like, we can't take off our skin suits. You can get a little bit ashy, but you can't take it off. What do you mean? You can't put enough mayo on? I have no. Ashy, very smooth it out and make it darker with the shit that I sell. <laughs> you, can't, you know, you're right. We can't take the shit off, you know. And on top of that, you got to wear. Sometimes you got to wear an additional uh, mask around, you know, just to walk. Well, through. just in, you know, in terms of, I'm sure that there are certain people in your life or situations that you deal with where you have a very different face than the one that you put around, you know your mother or your brothers or your people that you're close to, you know, and I code switching. We were talking about, yes, called code. What, what's code switching or code Code switching switching. for the D or a T D as in dog code. Okay. Yeah. Why code? Well, you code yourself for whatever situation you're in. So you're with a group of white people, you act one way with, you know, your family, you act another way. It's just code switching, whatever. Right. Whatever it dictates. I'm not a code switcher. I'm 100% always me. Yeah, I'm not a code switcher either. Anymore. I mean, at, at some degree, I think, um, I, you know, when I was younger now, no, I'm like, you get, this is what you fucking get. Uh, well, when you're at work, sometimes, yeah. Well, when you're at work, that's different. You know, that's, that's bread and butter. But with people, Nikki? I was a bartender for 20 years, and I'll tell you what, I did, a, I did a, an experiment to see how people reacted to me being really genuinely nice. You know, like, hey, hi, how are you? What can I get you? All that shit. And my tips dropped. They dropped. They fell into the floor. Really? Oh, yeah. And then I was kind of like, I was kind of like the, uh, I was kind of like the snotty, not snotty, I was a bitch. I was just a little bit of a bitch. Just kind of like taking the piss wherever I could. And uh, my tips would skyrocket. I would get... Twenty, thirty, forty dollar tips on twenty, thirty, forty dollar tabs. Well, that's that's the soup Nazi phenomenon. You know, people pay more for abuse. Some of them do. Well, it's a good thing that I was in that profession the way that I was, because there was nothing quite like like making ten dollars over the course of two hours because you're trying to be nice to people. It's very strange. 
Well, being, wow. sometimes being kind doesn't doesn't always equate to 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 prosperity because the meanest people in the world are, are some of the fucking richest, you know. And I'm like, Man. well, I mean, if you study the psychology of business, I happen to know because I'm a student of psychology among a million other things. You know, the the prevalence of socio and psychopathic behavior is much higher in the corporate world than it is in you know, your average slice of society, I believe the rate is something like 25% of people involved in those types of high level of executive jobs exhibit those character traits as opposed to something like four or 5% of the general population. A real sense, that kind of behavior is rewarded in that world. And that's why that, that's why it's so fucking sad. I mean, it makes, don't even get me started because that whole world just fucking disgusts me and makes me want to kill people. So Okay, so then that begs the question, Dan, coming from a multicultural home, you know, with a different kind of, uh, I don't know, background from most normal suburban white families with the picket fence and everything, how do you see yourself as an ally? As an ally? And how can people, how can white people be allies? Just answer it. I mean, however you feel, like, Whatever it's going to take I, for, for white people to be allies, what do you think is a good answer? I, you know, personally, I just try to, I, I try to remember that, you know, everybody is a human being and to not be a douchebag all the time. Because I, my big thing is, you know, I've worked really hard to try to educate myself and not be a fucking idiot. I mean, it doesn't mean that I know everything, but at least I try, which is more than most people do. And I, but that's kind of off topic. Uh, what, what can I, you know, honestly, I've spent a lot of time and I've tried to do a lot of listening instead of talking to, you know, what can I do as, you know, somebody who wants to help and be an ally, but doesn't really know, you know, for example, when I was watching, you know, the protests turn into riots and thinking to myself, God, you know, 20 or 30 years ago, you know, I would be right in the middle of that. But now I'm 57 years old or 56 yeah. at the time. Yeah. And, you know, I, I just don't have the energy or the stamina. But there's got to be something I can do because I, I, you know, I don't think I could live with myself if I did nothing. I mean, I, I vote. I guess that's a start. But, I mean, I'm kind of looking to you guys because, you know, your friends and people I respect especially your opinions and your insights because you're all really super sharp people. Most There's of, my asking for the Most of the time, allyship, allyship comes in a lot of forms, man. You know, especially coming from somebody your age with your experience in life and the shit that you've seen. And that, that holds on, that holds a lot of truth for a younger generation, you know? And I think we can all agree that the people that are out there in the streets on the front lines are half our fucking age. And, those, and thus they should be because if we were their age, we'd be out there doing it too. Oh, dude, I saw, I saw, I was watching a lot of the Unicorn Riot coverage, and I, I saw the bit that you were on where you were talking about that very thing. You were with a yes. bunch of kids, you're like, yeah, man, I'm 53 years old, and like all these cats are like half my age, but I, yeah. I was really, I was proud of you for being out there. I mean, not that you need to have me be proud, but I was, it made my heart warm to see somebody I knew, you know, who was, Wait, help me, I'm that, lost for words here. Say that, yeah, that last part. I was glad you know about that. <laughs> well, yeah, they're that too. Well, they they didn't. Um, the thing is, is like that is that is a young the, being on the front lines like that is a young person's job. But it's a 
it is an older person's job, an elder's job to actually to help guide those younger people and to actually help them understand what they're doing and the consequences because we've already lived a life of, of consequence. So we know how to stay out of trouble. And all you got to do, if you want these people to have the power and still have the action, you just have to teach them how to stay out of trouble, how not to get caught. And I'm, that's just the bottom line. Because <laughs> they're, 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 they're pretty much turning their backs on people's freedom of, 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 freedom of speech. And you really got to um, stand up for that part. And these young people are really standing up for it. But they also need to know from older people how to go about it and how to keep themselves out of the mix, you know, like so many of us have been in. You know, you weren't you weren't by the ones that were looting. No, 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 I was around. No, 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 I wasn't around any looters or anything. I mean, I'd been in there with them if that was me. You know what I'm saying? You know, I don't want to get me some socks, but um, (laughs) they have to know. They have to know (laughs) what shit, what what kind of shit that could happen if they end up getting in the mix. And it's easy to stay out of the mix if you just know what you're doing. So, them cats I was talking to. They weren't out there like doing anything violent or nothing like that, you know. But they were boxing. No, to get but some, shit. But sometimes just by being in the proximity, you can get yourself in trouble, you know, and that's something else yeah. to keep it. But you know, at a certain point, I guess it evolves. Evolve, what it boils down to is, you know, what are you, you know, what is important enough for you to risk personally to take that risk, and that, you know. I think that that's something, I mean, you look at what's happening in our country in the last four years or, you know, in a bigger sense, the last couple of years since the election, last election cycle started. And I just, you know, we really are going down a really scary path in this country. And, I, you know, I'm happy because the level of activism in this country is some one that's not been seen since the late 1960s. But you don't hear about that shit at all because. The mainstream media has learned, well, first of all, it's controlled by corporate interests, by and large, and they have learned the lesson that you can't let the dissidents, you know, you can't let them have too much media time, otherwise they will control the narrative. And that's, you know, the lesson that has been learned is that you don't, you don't hear about this shit, you know, it happens all over the place. Please. Yeah. They do. They have to answer to somebody. You know, it's controlled. You know, it, it does. It's gonna. Con- it contaminates the movement. It contaminates the truth. You know, and that's what it's meant to do. Well, as I I get before. You- oh, please, Dan, continue. Oh, I just, I. You'll have to forgive me. You continue. Please tell me to shut up because I, I follow. I will go on and on and on if you let me. So, anyway, go ahead, continue, Mickey. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to step on your. All I was going to say is, as I've said this before, and I will say it again, the media is a for-profit situation. They're all for-profit. This is not an unbiased situation. The media right, is... Right, but the, the thing that exists now that didn't exist when we were kids is that, you know, it's, the news has, is you know, since probably the late 80s, early 90s, news has been run as a for-profit industry where previously... When you had people like Dan Rather and Walter Cronkite and earlier you had people like Edward R. Murrow and uh, having a brain fart. But, you know, news was considered more of a public service and they would just present you the information and it was up to you to make up your mind. And now, every, you know, we have this 24-hour news cycle. Everything is micro-targeted to the people they want to reach because they're trying to generate ad revenue. And so... 
everybody lives in this bubble where the, of confirmation bias where everything they already believe is confirmed and confirmed. I mean, yeah. I've got a, a, a friend of mine. Uh, are you familiar with Deke Dickerson? Yeah. He's a, okay. He, he had a post last week that I thought was really telling. And he, you know, he lives in LA now and he's a rock dude. And what he was saying, you know, what you got to understand is that, you know, he's like, I grew up in, you know, Hayseed, Missouri. And what a lot of people, especially people that live in urban areas don't understand is that you go outside of that. And all these people see is a steady diet of Fox news. And, you know, I have been saying this for years and that's, Fox News is it's profit it's right wing propaganda. That's all it is. And somehow even, they're, even they're about to turn on it. Even they're turning on the president right now. Well, they should. I mean, he's the biggest sack of shit to ever like get near public office. I mean, it's it's truly frightening what a awful human being he is. It is. Did you did you, did you watch any of like uh, I watch democracy now fairly frequently and i did you see any of the interviews with his with his niece uh mary trump who wrote the book yeah, yeah. About, or, or read any of the book not read it oh, I, i've seen the interviews actually the interviews on cnn how did that go <laughs> well he, he wanted her not to have that book published uh his dead brother tried to uh, put an injunction to stop it. Didn't work. It's out. It's selling well. Wow. I'm going to have to check it out. I mean, I don't care about this fool, but I just want to hear some fucked up shit. You know? Make myself it's, it's feel pretty, more. It's pretty fucked up. Well, well, the thing that amazes me is that something like this can come out and it doesn't change anybody's opinion. The people that, you know, know this stuff about him will continue to think the same way. And the people who continue to, you know, idolize him and think that he's somebody to stand behind, it won't have a, it'll have zero impact on how they see him. And I just, to me, that just blows my mind. Like, dude, how can you, how can you be exposed to the truth and not have it like, you know, knock one brain cell loose? Hold on, Dad. So this Brings me back to in Minnesota when they they elected fucking Ventura as governor. It was one of these things, and this is what I think, at at least at this past election cycle. I think many people voted for him because they were tired of the same old political bullshit. You know, Bernie Sanders didn't win the fucking, didn't win the Democrats, and the white woman, the privileged white woman didn't fucking speak to them. And so, like, well, maybe, I mean, you know, whatever. He, he's a businessman. He can't be that fucking bad. But, you know, I lived in New York for 25 years. I knew exactly what that motherfucker was all about. Mal, what are you laughing about? No, I'm, I'm just laughing at what you're saying because it's true. <laughs> so I think people fucking voted for this piece of shit because they're like, well, what can we lose? Well, look what we've lost. Everything. What look you got to lose? lost. Everything. That's what, remember what he said? He asked the African-Americans his African-Americans. What else you got to lose? He asked us. No, 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 let me, let me finish this. That motherfucker, he actually had the audacity to pardon Susan B. Anthony today. I know, I know, I know. I know. Susan what? fucking yes. Anthony. She didn't want black people to vote, come on. I know. Get out of here. Everybody knows that's just another dog whistle, but it, only, it will only apply to his smart constituents, which is only a small handful. You know. Well, okay. For, I know. 
I know who I know who Susan B. Anthony is, but what I don't guess I don't understand the either significance or not significance of oh, him pardoning her. Let me tell you. So oh, please she, do. She voted illegally. She was the catalyst for women getting the vote. She was fined a hundred dollars. She said, "There's no way I'm paying any of that money for for what should be our right, basically." And so, um, Ward has a badge of honor, essentially, or the fact that she was she was fined this money and and uh, she found guilty for voting when she said that should be our right. So today, Trump took it upon himself to pardon her, and basically, the commentators were saying. Do you really think that she wouldn't just get on Twitter right now if she was alive and just go, fuck you, fuck you, three million fucking times, fuck you. It's true. Well, today, well, that's because today is the 100th anniversary of the passage of the 19th Amendment, correct? Right. Yeah. And he was, for, at, okay. for, he was at a women's conference, too. For, for, for white women. Yeah. Okay, because black women okay. can get but it to 50 As a woman later. and as a... As a woman of color, like I can, I, I have, I have these two intersections of, of who I am. One of them is very much so being a woman and the fact that today, yes, it is the anniversary of the 19th Amendment. The irony, of course, is that this piece of shit thought that somehow, now that Kamala Harris, Kamala Harris is the <laughs> fucking vice president incumbent for Biden, that somehow he's gonna he's gonna suck in women to his lair to his oh, filthy no, orange so lair. <laughs> yeah. oh, he's mad. He's also mad. He got taken to the woodshed last night by Michelle Obama. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. It is what it is. Thank you very much. It is what it is. It is what it is. You know. And they're talking about how he, she didn't really talk about much about Biden because, no, she wasn't there to talk about Biden. She was there to talk about getting this monkey out of this tree, you know, because oh, he's just throwing shit on everybody. How about all of the Republicans who showed up at the DNC? I know. I love that shit. Uh, I know. They're I like, no, we, we, they're like, bye. Yeah. Peace. Anyway. <laughs> I didn't watch it. I just saw some of the... I. I saw some of Michelle Obama speak, and I saw, uh, actually, I don't, I don't think I saw Kamala Harris speak, but I watched Bernie Sanders speak, and he pretty much, he crystallized the whole thing pretty well, I thought, but uh, uh, I don't know if there's a point to that, so somebody somebody take it up from here so I don't look like an idiot. Okay, so the question really is, you knew you were going to come on the Black Helpline. You knew you were going to come on with some old friends of color. What were you thinking? Hey, Dan, you should come on the show. I was super excited. I love your guys' show. I, you know, you, well, especially you and Jamar have been good friends over the years. And, you know, I, I like the fact that you're so motherfucking funny. And, but also, you know, you're talking about things that people like me need to know, you know, because I, you know, consider myself open-minded and I certainly have a, you know, a background that bespeaks that. And I've tried to like, not be an idiot. And, but there's a lot of shit I don't know. And there's a lot of, you know, I, I, I'm, there's a lot of things that I'm sure even somebody is out. You're not that white guy. You're not that white guy. Okay. You're not that white guy. Not that white guy. Don't be that white guy. You're not that white guy. Don't worry about it. Well, I'm just, I'm trying not to be, you know, I, that's all I can do really. Hey Dan, do you have an old Navy rewards card? (laughs) Do you? 
<laughs> Fuck no. Why would I, why would I have an old Navy room? Then you're not that way. So it's okay. okay. You're not that way. You're good. <laughs> well, good okay, better yet, do you have a punch card to some sort of pizza shop <laughs> or beer store? <laughs> Oh, 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 punch card. No, but if there, I actually, I. Oh, you had to think about it. Oh shit. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm just trying to think about how to. No, no, no beer store punch card, man. But what I'll, I'll try have, to be. Okay, we have we have less than one minute left, so we can either I can either send out a new invite and we can continue this conversation, or we can wrap this shit up. What do you want to do? Continue. What do you guys want to do? Continue. Well, I got to wrap it up Let's for a minute. Let's continue, but I will send an invite, so we'll come back in like five. Okay. Send him, yeah, send it via fa- our Facebook again. I have yeah, 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 yeah. Bye. God damn, just do it. Just fuck off. Bye. All right. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye.